You know you've missed him, but he's back. The beast has arrived again. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. We just can't beat this guy. <laughs> Neyer Bastianini cannot be stopped. He is a problem. Welcome to episode 363 of Motorsport 101. And it's one of the marquee races on the MotoGP calendar. It's the French Grand Prix from Le Mans. And uh, wowee. Um, you thought he'd gone cold for a little bit after binning it in Portimao, but... Uh, uh, and, and Aya Bastianini um, basically just ran the field over with a sledgehammer. Um, oh, that was that was rough. That was brutal for everybody involved, especially um, the senior team he's fighting with. Oh boy! Again, uh, we, we, again, this is a problem. This is a serious problem. But uh, we'll go around the panel first, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But. Uh, First up, Cam Buckley. Holy shit. That was, that was, that was a show and a half, wasn't it? You know, uh, we've been wondering where the old Peko Banyaya has been. And I don't know if this is the one we were talking about bringing back. See, we, we crafted the wrong vintage. We were looking for the 2021 vintage. We brought out the 2020. Now, that was not the one we were looking for. It hasn't matured enough yet, you see. Um, mm. and I know it's I know it's a one loving part of the world as well, King. But uh, it, it it can't be good if 110,000 people roll up specifically to see our new man's Fabio Quartararo not even get on the podium. Yeah, it was it was close, but no cigar for Fabio. <laughs> um, folks, Alicia Spargaro, we can't get rid of him either. Um, he is terminally online. He, he's still here. He's staring down your cameras, in, your onboard cameras, and into your soul. We can't. We're a third of the way through this season. He's still here, <laughs> reducing he's, the gap to the top in the championship. Yeah, he's he's right there. He's got his feet on the couch, and he's just emptied your fridge of your favorite snack. Um, there is no getting rid of him at this point. It is wild that. Uh, yeah, if, if you'd have said to me back in March that the front three at the, the, the French Grand Prix, a track where Yamaha was supposed to be strong, and the front three was Bastianini, Miller, and Alicia Spargaro, I'd say you were on narcotics. Yet here we are. <laughs> <sighs> the ongoing Ducati soap opera continues because... This is the best and worst case scenario for Ducati at the same time because for the third time this season, and only the third time this has happened since 2006, an independent rider has won three rounds in a season. Um, do you guys know, um, outside of the two Patronus boys in 2020, pandemic year, when was the you know, who, who was the last independent to win three rounds in a season? <laughs> Any guesses? Um, are we talking team or rider? Rider. Melandry? Correct! Marco hey. Melandry! <laughs> the same team as well, Grassini, back in 2006. Hmm. We're gonna go... <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like Marco Melandry did that uh, checks known 16 years ago. I feel old. I feel so old. I remember the Grassinis and Marco like it was yesterday. Like we're talking about, I don't think Marco's even forty yet, and we're talking about him. Like, so he had what? He had what four that year? He won in. Uh, I know he won at Le Mans. Mm -hmm. No, no, he had he had three that year. Yet Istanbul, Le Mans, and Phillip Island. Yeah, Phillip Island, the the infamous power slide out of the final corner. Oh yeah, still the 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 power slide that gives me an erection every time I see it. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, whew. Uh, we have a lot to get through here. Like I, I promise you, we will talk about bikes. This is not just a podcast for the ongoing soap opera of Ducati. It's like the Italian version of Dallas. We might just call it Bologna. Uh, <laughs> well, we got other so we got other soap operas happening in MotoGP. Oh god, we have plenty. We have plenty. We'll be talking about Anaya Bastianini's win. We'll be talking about the fact that it's now probably a two-horse race for that Ducati seat. 
um, for next year. And we will f- apparently find out next time out at Mugello who is taking that second bike next year. So uh, there is no more evidence that can be laid out. There is no more that we can see and watch that can affect this decision. So Ducati's got to make their minds up. So we're talking about that and Bastianini's win and some sass. We got some spice (laughs) after the race as well in the post-race press conference. Jack Miller's just out here chilling, um, and Aya Bastianini is throwing haymakers. Uh, You'll see what I mean This man is just as big a beast in the conference room as he is out on track. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, boy. My my man um, is, shall we say, feeling it at the moment (laughs) right now. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking a bit more about Suzuki because they had a disastrous weekend on and off the track, covering sponsors. In more ways than one. Yeah. Um, You know how we didn't have any word from them? We have word now. Yeah. It, it, It took them a week and a half. After the media Ten broke days the story. of complete radio silence. Though, admittedly, I like the promise. Media day, Thursday. Business hours start. Press release goes up. Yeah, it's like, here's one we, here's one we prepared earlier. Um, <laughs> just an oven fresh, ready uh, a statement saying, um, yeah, we are quitting. Um, cool. Um, it's like, yeah, yeah, crack, crack, crack on. it's like the Phoenix Suns. You ever mess up so badly, you have to put out a statement about it? <laughs> like, in other words, don't screw up so badly that Patrick Beverly goes on a media tour, is what we're basically <laughs> saying here. Uh, don't, do not screw up or fumble the bag as bad as Suzuki did. We'll talk about them and some silly season updates regarding their future as well, because we've had a lot of clangers drop in the pipeline in the last week and a half since inevitably, including the fact that, hey, you know Yoamir was going to stay, right? Oh, that's a problem. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that and a lot more regarding City Season over the next half hour plus or so. But before we get into that, places you can find us real quick, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at Buckley 917 You can follow RJ as well when he's normally on at RJ O'Connell. He'd have loved this episode, my word. Um, he'll be back next week, don't worry. Um, uh, we've also got a website, motorsport101.com. Our Instagram page is on there as well, motorsport101pod, um, P-O-D. And, of course, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. If you really like us and you want to support us financially, you can do so over there so gentlemen shall we get into Le Mans the beast is back Uh, and uh, my word did he win that in stunning dominant ridiculous fashion got the grid got to third off the start ran down Jack Miller who was probably on the wrong tyre he gambled on the soft front bless him not the best idea, but still got the bike home in second. That's the important thing. The key flashpoint was with seven laps to go. We're out of nowhere. Bastianini hits a surprise pass on Bagnaia at turn three, the Dunlop chicane. Out of nowhere, Bagnaia panics, tries to pass <laughs> him back straight away. He does. Um, 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 at the Castelli downhill right hand, though, it's a beautiful corner. Um, he was able to actually come back um, straight away. Two corners later, Garage Ver, he misses his braking zone by 10 meters. Um, goes way, way wide, gives Bastianini a two-second lead. And half a lap after that, final corner. Wait, is that a Ducati in the gravel? Uh, oh, <sighs> Banaya's out. Um, DNF, he bins it at the final corner. He wasn't the first man to drop it there, funnily enough. Johan Mir, the 2020 world champion, dropped it there as well earlier in the race when he was running in fourth. Um, but Bagnaia was the final corner, second victim on the day. And uh, he was out. And Bastianini had pretty much no one to challenge him for the rest of the race. And uh, unfortunately, they were too busy uh, grinning camera-wise at the 110,000 fans that rolled up, which... They're claiming it is a French Grand Prix attendance record for a weekend. We don't really think that is because of previous events. But hey, we, I guess we might call it a modern record that they yeah. got 250,000 over the weekend, which, hey, great turnout for the French. They'll have that. Um, 
but they were too busy focusing on that instead of the Alicia Spargaro Fabio Quadraro final lap battle for third, which Alish won. So uh, Fabio off the podium in his home Grand Prix. All those Killian and Mbappe collaborations. <laughs> <laughs> but but Neymar shook my hand. I never got to bring him a trophy. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was your first the, mistake. <laughs> yeah, but apparently PSG loves that man. Who'd have thought it? Um, you know, big big collaboration before the weekend has started. Like him shaking hands with Killian Mbappe, and uh, our national broadcaster didn't know who he was when he rolled up last year. Way to go, BT Sport. Anyway. <laughs> We're going to talk about this race win. I mean, did Anaya win that race for Ducati, fellas, or did Francesco lose it? Because that was a wild sequence of events. Oh, yeah. Based on your description of events, someone didn't even give himself the chance to try to get the race win back. The answer to that question is yes. (laughs) Um, Look, as I mentioned earlier, we weren't expecting 2020. Pecco to come back, but he did. Uh man, this title that, that 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 title favorite thing, it's a killer. It's a killer for the Brooklyn Nets, it's a killer for Francisco Bagnaia. <laughs> oh did you just compare Francisco Bagnaia to the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> well, they're both getting their ass beat in the same <laughs> the same way. Yeah. yeah, God. That um, was a, that was a shellacking. Good lord. Yeah, because uh, once again, late race pace. Bastianini's so good on his tires. He's the only person who can really keep the Ducati going for the whole race distance. And he just went up there, passed him, and dumped him in the dirt. <laughs> like, Banyaya openly admitted that he might actually have to try and tone it down in future because he tried... Basically, how he explained the fight back was... He tried doing exactly what he did against Marquez last year at Aragon, where if Marquez tried to pass him, his response was, okay, I've got a counter immediately here. I can't let him settle. And two, it kind of worked for two corners. Like, he did get Banyaya back. He did get, he did get Bastianini back. He was in the lead, but then he just completely he missed his breaking it. point. And it wasn't even like it was a minor one. He was like 10 meters too late. Apparently, his front brake just did not want to go. He he tried braking harder than he normally did into Garage Ver, and then nope. (laughs) It was basically what his front brake said. This is too much. Can't handle it. Off I go. Uh, Oh, maybe he should have adjusted his front tire pressures a little bit. Should we get into this as a side note real quick? Turns out after her ref, that uh, a couple of engineers got fed up with the whole, we're following the tire pressure rules, but these guys aren't. And they leaked the whole thing to Matt Oxley over at Motorsport Magazine. That Oh, by the way, pretty much everybody in the field at least once this year has run illegally low tire pressures. Totally normal. <laughs> not only that, Man. they have a handshake deal with each other and with Dorna to not punish anyone over it. Man. <laughs> This is make this is make this is making Deflate Gate look tame. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually Inflate Gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're putting too much air in. Like, there's another way around. Like that one was taking air out. This is this is this is this is the other no, this way. This is this is like, and it's creating the situation in combination with the extremely sensitive Michelin tires. And we haven't slagged off Michelin at all on the show this year. No, no, never, never. Not we at love all. Um, <laughs> that the tire, the front tires are so pressure sensitive that if you follow someone for a couple of laps, your front tire pressures go out of control and you basically have an overinflated basketball on the front of your bike and you can't corner and you can't stop, which means you can't pass anybody. Oh, <sighs> yeah. And it's having arguably, a, well, I wouldn't say arguably, it is. It's having a detrimental effect on the racing. We only had three overtakes amongst the top four across the 27 laps of this race. It's turning MotoGP races somewhat processional, which is a real <coughs> shame given how competitive the field is, but I think that's a, that's, it all circles back around on each other because everybody's so more competitive now and because, like, the whole field's maybe only covered by a second or so now. Manufacturers are looking for every last game you can think of, and one of the ways they can do that is by cheating the tire pressures because they know they won't be punished for it. When, <sighs> when you combine that 
with the amount of aero and downforce these bikes are now running with the winglets, combine that with the amount of power they're all generating, and combine that with, the, as mentioned, the front tyres, you know, and, and they're overheating, you've now got to really gamble to overtake someone on a MotoGP bike these days because you don't know how much front-end grip you're going to have when you hit the brakes. And that's what's causing a lot of these low sides and a lot of these riders losing control. Yeah, there, yeah. there was an official document that came out that 18 of the 22 point scores at the first six races had been caught red-handed doing this, including all of the top six in the championship. Bruh. Well, I, best, I better guess I should say this now. Brad Bender, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should say sorry to him he, ktm had one of the worst weekends i can recall for that and brad bender was the only person who finished on a ktm yeah eighth place too not not a bad result all things considered like <coughs> brad bender lord he try he, he he's trying he's, he's doing the best he can Give it a look, she's got Captain. <laughs> you, 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 don't, you don't have to pass every bike next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Like, King has rescinded his famous phrase because now we know it's virtually impossible to pass in MotoGP at the moment. Have fun, guys. Um, it's not ideal, to say the least. And, like, we we are the first people to gas up how great this product is. If you found the last two Grand Prix boring, I completely understand. <laughs> because uh, we did not get a lot of action at Jerez. And hey, it turns out Banyaya was on an illegally low-pressured front tire the whole way through that race. So that was the initial leak that came out about three days after that race had finished. Oh yeah, Banyaya was, um, was, was, was breaching the limit, by the way. He won, he won the entire race and dominated the entire weekend on an illegal bike. Great! Um, yep. Yeah, well, Fabio's been on a legal bike for pretty much the whole season. Um, Alicia Spargaro. Yeah, four out of six. Your championship leader has had an illegal bike. Um, <laughs> it's... it's a, I can't think of another example in, in modern motorsport where not only does the entire... Not only is the entire grid cheating, they all have a handshake agreement with each other to cheat. And they have a handshake agreement with the organizers to cheat. I I love how this series finds new and creative ways to look stupid sometimes. Like, we love you guys in MotoGP. Do you know how hard you have to work to look this stupid? Like, I I don't want to point fingers at anybody, but is this simply just because, hey... It's like, Michelin, could you build us a better tire, Michelin? Yeah, yeah, that is no. pretty much exactly <laughs> it. Is that That's they, exactly what it tires is. Tires are very soft and very high performance, but because of the way they're constructed, they're so sensitive, not only to temperature, but also pressure changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm going through, I'm reading Oxley's article now, and he has, he's, has Alicia Spargo talking about the fight between himself, uh, Miller, and Marquez. Yeah, from Harath. From Harath. And Spargo said he gained half a second a lap just being in clear air, not because of a dirty air situation with the winglets on these bikes, but because of the amount of pressure and temperature that came out of his front tire. Yeah. Because, yeah, the open air makes such a massive difference. And then we, we, we saw 75% of that race was Marquez stuck behind Miller, and that was the cue. And yeah, now we know why, basically why it, it was such a roadblock for three quarters of that race. Um, ridiculous thing that it's all partially led up to this and Bastianini being able to win because he's a front tire whisperer. He knows how to make clinical passes. He has complete confidence in his front tire and his grip is off the charts. If, I love when Murdo GP pulls out those timing towers for lap times over the course of the race. Under one minute 32s for like, Pretty much the entire second third, like the the entire final like half of the race, incredible pace, unbelievable speed from Bastini. The way it, the way he's won all three of his races this season is that second half of the race, 
where everyone's struggling on tires and he just finds a way to dig out two, three tenths a lap on everybody else. It's obscene how he's doing this. He's the only man in the field who can do this. And it goes to show you, man has three wins on the year already. Everybody else in the field combined has four. It's uh, it's a lot. And uh, yeah, Bastianini absolutely broke Bagnaia over his knee like Bane. Um, that and was, yet. Uh, and yet. And yet, at the top of the championship lies Fabio Quartararo. Yeah, still but his on. gap has reduced. Because Alicia Spargaro will not log out. He's still here. We've, now, now not, only we've he not, he, not only is he still here, but he's on a podium streak. Brilliant. <laughs> like, every race he adds to the streak is unprecedented. Because that's now three in a row. For they never had one back-to-back before in the four-stroke era. Yeah, now like, he's going to run off like seven of these, like Nico Rosberg in 2015 and 16. He's just going to run these off. And I was like, yep, bang, another third, bang, another third. Yep. Keep them coming, baby. Keep them coming. We're now a third of the way through the season. Like, it's weird to say we've had seven MotoGP races already this season, but we are a third of the way in, and he's still here. He's, just, he's only, I think, what was it eight or nine points off the top of the title right now? And then it's Oof. like. He's having nine points back, and then it's 33 points back to Alex Rins in fourth. This is quickly becoming a three-horse race for the title. Like, Yeah, because, of the... course, with, with Rins, we, we, we talked him up for we talked him up for two months, and now he's had two just complete disasters in a row. Yeah, um, not good. I not blame good you, Dre. <laughs> you know, fair. I can't even argue with this. I've Alex, I've batted for you, bruh. I really have. I took a whole wave of criticism last year when I defended you after your worst year of your career. You came back, you came out swinging before her F and you were like, yeah, Rins is back in this race after America. Nope. <laughs> no. Back to back crashes in, and now he's currently more than uh, a race Six back. points. Six points. Uh, 102 for Quattararo. 98 for Espargaro. Huh. Uh, and it's actually it's yeah. Bastianini um, who is next four back, and then it's Rins. So it's, it's really a three it's a three rider race. And uh, despite Rins being on a nice points total, um, yeah, nice. It's not really ideal. Yeah, more than a race back. Okay, so who had Quadraro's two main title contenders for the year being? And I'm checking my notes again here: Enea Bastianini and Alicia Spargaro. If you had that, if anybody had that as a title prediction, we nice did proof. We I, sure I, I want your lottery numbers. Oh, I, I had that as my prediction, but then I turned off MotoGP 22. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, what I did predict, though, is that Aprilia was going to be good this year, but even I didn't expect championship <laughs> contender. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. None of this makes any sense, which is probably what Ducati's camp is saying inside right now, because uh, they've got a decision to make. Now, they, I think it was Davide Tardozzi, said it over the course of the weekend. We will make a decision on our 2022 lineup at Mugello. That's the next race on the calendar. That's next weekend for MotoGP. That's Mugello. So now the contenders can do no more. They've got to make a decision. Now, I think it's safe to say Jorge Martin is out of this race after another crash during this race. During Le Mans, that's his fifth this season. Four of them unforced. Um, so safe to say, Martin's out of this race. It's now a straight fight between Bastianini and Miller. Jorge Martin's the... had a horrible year so far. Yeah, for the second Ducati seat this year, and uh, oh, we had some spice in the post-race press conference regarding this. Bastianini was out here stunting. I think his manager might have been in his ear because uh, he went for the jugular in front of... I'll point out, by the way, this is in front of Jack Miller's face. He said this. Quote, I think he prefers Miller. He's referring to Francesco Bagnai here. Quote, I think he prefers Miller because he is the leader of Ducati and he knows the potential of me. And I also think of Martin. We could be a problem for him. <laughs> oh Lord! Really, just he, sat sat there, looked in Jack Miller's face, and say, "You're less of a threat than me." 
He straight up beast, said, no. indeed. He said, no, I think I'm better than you. And I think Banyaya wants to keep you because he, he knows. He, he, he's, protecting, he's protecting himself from me. Only in Italian, obviously. Miller, to be fair, Miller took it with exceptional good grace. Said, quote, I don't know what you want me to say. I said it all. Put two and two together. He's won three races this year. He's doing a fantastic job. He's Italian. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, Jack. Jack, Jack, Jack. I, I love this man. I really do. Like, give Jack Miller all the good things. I, I, I love him. Like, he, he's a rider's rider. I, I, I respect his honesty. <laughs> but I responded to Bastini's quotes by saying, I know him very well. It's normal that if he had to choose a mate to share your box with, it's the man you have more conversations and more time with. So for sure, yesterday, I said that Jack was one of my first choices because he's a friend, he's a good teammate. I like to work with him. And the Nair, I think, is deserving of the place. Maybe not the last two races, but to Austin, he was so competitive, and today he won the race. Very diplomatic <laughs> response, I think, from Pesco. Now, no, no, no. Diplomatic, though. Didn't say Jack was good. Said he was no. a friend. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good mate. That's a red flag. Oh my He's god. A... I mean, there's kind it, of a it... critical problem here when I look at Jack Miller. Mm. We're, we're we're seven races into the season, right? Right. He has not been top Ducati once. Nope. Not one time. Nope. He is best of the non Inea Ducati riders. The problem is the other guy is Inea Fastinini. Right. And this is the problem, right? We was we, the question I put in our script here was: so, what did you think of the quotes and responses? And if you're Ducati, a straight up choice, who do you take for next year? Now, I personally don't think this is all that straightforward, mostly because I don't know how much they care about Banyai's opinion. Um, how much pull does he have in that camp? Given they just gave him a guaranteed two year contract, I don't know. Like, does Banyaya have a say in this? Because apparently, if, it, if he does, it looks like he wants Miller, which is understandable, because he's a mate. But, as King quite rightly points out, if the first thing you can say about your teammate is that he's a nice guy, and not about how good he is... Um, Red flag. That, Crimson that, flag. <laughs> yeah, that's, ne that's never normally... It's like... It's like it's like asking Cam, Cam, like, what do you think of Nicholas Latifi? Like, <laughs> um, I mean, great he's, guy, right? He's an all right guy. He's good for memes. Yeah, he's a funny dude. You know, we, we, he's, he's good for a laugh. Loves, likes his Nutella. You know, great guy. Hey, we hey, like hey any, anyone who likes Nutella, write my book. Sure, great guy. He's driving. Hmm. <laughs> Mm. You see what I'm getting at here, folks? This is the problem. It's like there's another problem here that that you know me me being into the technical side of the sport is going up to the factory team an upgrade. Might have because a I look at, because <laughs> I look because I look at the GP21 versus the GP22, and I trust the 21 quite a bit more. Mm. But again, he's signing up not to ride that bike. But to ride next year's bike. Yeah, the 23. Given given the trajectory, I'd want to ride the previous year's bike still. <laughs> it's like, keep me on here. Like, we're, we're playing the Frankie Morbidetti game. Just keep me on this one, coach. This one's good. <laughs> the, the thing is that if you... One thing that we've had to notice this year at the GP22 is it doesn't seem as kind to its tires. Yeah, if right. You put on, if you put Bastianini on the current bike, or in this case, the... Uh, 21.5 that the factory team is running. Does he have the same upside as he does now? I don't know. Good question. It's a very good question. It's, it's, it's impossible to say for sure. Because it's, it's such... It, every Ducati team is on a different sort of setup outside of the, the Mooney VR46 team. <laughs> like besides that, it's like we know everyone's on different shit. So it's hard to get a real gauge of where everybody's at. And... <sighs> It's weird as well because Ducati have gassed up Miller at every opportunity. Like when Davide Tardozzi and like they love Luigi talks, they love him. Like they love him. They think he's a great teammate. 
They think he's quick. They love what he brings to the table. They love his development and his feedback. They love him in that camp. If you take them at their word, which I've got no reason not to, they love Miller in that camp. I don't think they want to break this off easily. No, no. But they don't want to break this off easily. But you say they love his development. Like they they love what he brings to development. They love his feedback. And then you look at this year's bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like mm. But the thing Again, but he also developed it. last year's bike, so uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But but you know you it's Ducati's such a weird team because they, they are successful in all the they're successful in all the right ways with the wrong people right now. Yeah. You know. And that's the problem. And, and that's it's, another it's, thing none, as none well of this to is think good. about. Another thing to think about as well is that Bastianini's saying this stuff on the theoretically on the way into the team. What kind of intra-team relationship is he gonna have with Pecco? Not a good those one, but those are it. feisty comments to say to you. Basically, to say right in the the face of the person that you are replacing, as well as your potential future employers. Anea oh. is literally Thanos looking at four, saying you should have gone for the head. <laughs> I mean, if you're Anea, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, I gotta stay at Grassini. Oh no! And <laughs> so, if you believe from his... success, are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently, according to his manager, this came out in Speed Week on Monday, that even if he doesn't get the factory seat, he'll be on a GP23 next year anyway. So yep. yeah, the only gonna, question is, what color is it? Equipment. it yeah, he's getting a factory deal next year, no matter what. The only question is, what color is the bike? Don't Palm take Violet it. or red? Don't take the GP23. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, maybe they learned their lesson. Trade it for <laughs> cash considerations and keeping the bike you have. <laughs> I, I I don't think they're going to allow people to ride the 21 and 23 can. They fucking Surely should. <laughs> Look at the 20. Look, Premac's not doing too good right now, are they? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Johan Zarco is there and Jorge Martin literally can't keep it upright. And they're on the full 22 package. None of this makes any fucking sense. <laughs> oh man! None I mean, of it. I mean, it could be you could be KTM, but I digress. <laughs> like, do you know? How, like, the only way this is working for Ducati is in terms of the constructors' championship. They have a fifty-two point lead in the constructors' championship. Oh, I don't. Th- I yeah, because all the bikes can score constructors' points. Right. Yeah, right, I don't right. think they're losing that unless <laughs> unless, no. unless Honda reels off some one, two, three, fours, and trust me. They ain't. Yeah, they're not blowing that lead. Yeah, because they like remember only the highest scoring bike scores points for the manufacturers. And uh, well, and the thing Ducati- is with Ducati, but just by sheer strength in numbers and having yeah. three pretty top tier riders on a given weekend, you're yeah. gonna have at least one score pretty solid points for the constructors. Yeah, Johan Zarco is your insurance policy here. If that's your insurance policy, you're in pretty <laughs> good shape. Like, like. Th- I I want them to keep Miller purely because I like Jack Miller and I like what he brings to the table. But Anaya, I think, is just too good at this point. He's too good. How can you? How can you tell him no? You stay over there. Like you sound like an idiot if you do that, right? Well, he's You've beating got- your guys soundly yeah. in this case. You've got to take the embarrassment away. You can't. You. Could you could you imagine how embarrassing it would be if your number one bike at the end of the season is the twenty one with Bastianini on it? Because right now, there's a very real chance that happens. Oh, he's the very he's real. top Ducati in the championship by a he has a I think a race gap now more, more than actually, that. Yeah, to the if next. If you Ducati. want an example, the guy we thought was going to be the guy, Bagnaia, is forty six points behind Bastianini right now. Yeah, I mean, unless he goes on a, a run of form like he did at the end of last year and sustains it for the whole year, he's out of the championship. Yeah, you, you, you could already be done here. That, that's how bad it is at Ducati. And uh, yeah, Bastidini is giving Ducati a aneurysm-sized headache. It's not ideal at all. Um, we will know next time out during Day of Classics who will be on that second Ducati next year. May the good Lord help them all. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Now, 
Speaking of silly, Suzuki, everybody. Um, my God, what a weekend they had. I I did not Clown envy. behavior. They are not a clown. They are not the circus. They are co- the concept of comedy. Oh, Lord. Poor Mare and Rins. Like, they were... They had to be. They were taking media interviews left and right from the time they rolled up at the track on Thursday. They were covering up sponsors because you can't sell beer during French sporting events now. They were angry on behalf of their crews. Um, I was going to say the overarching thing that I felt from the two Suzuki riders wasn't anger at losing their jobs. No. It was the crews basically being kicked out of the sport. Right. As a result, they, they of were angry on behalf of their colleagues, most definitely. Yeah. And you know that. Look, they're good dudes. Those two, Mir and Rins, are certified good dudes. Um, two of the nicest dudes in the MotoGP grid. I'm not surprised at all that they'd be angry on behalf of their colleagues because that's just the sort of dudes that they are. Um, wasn't a good weekend for them on track either. Both of them crashed in crazy fashion over the course. Race. Mir been it at the final corner, and Rins. Losing his front brake and going straight across the gravel trap at 180 miles an hour through turn one, and That's then a horrendous crash coming out over the chicane and then landing face first on the tarmac um, as he fell as he was launched off his motorcycle. Um, dear Dorna, please improve your concussion checks. This is getting ridiculous because that was feels like we're nasty. saying this every weekend now because we yeah. are. It's embarrassing. That was a nasty, nasty incident to watch in real time. Oh God! Like, and of course, be- because it's Rins, he got back on his bike and was able to continue. Like that for like a couple laps, he eventually yeah. did retire. Yeah. yeah, the bike was too badly damaged. But yeah, I mean, it's not the first time in the last year we've heard of potential concussion checks being skipped over, and of course, the nature of the sport itself. I would like to see them inherit British Superbikes rule, where it's like, if you fall off your bike, you're done, basically, at that point. But MotoGP's never going to do that. Not in a million no. years. This is just not what they believe in. But it's led to some silly season conversation. Now, I've, I've posted this in, in our Discord a couple of days after the initial news broke to the media. Johan Mir's manager, I think it was Paco Sanchez, I believe is his name. And uh, he let some bombshells drop. Like everybody, when this story first dropped, because most of the com reported it first, and they were like, "Oh, Mirta Repsol Honda is a done deal, totally done. It'll be announced soon." Um, his Mir's manager was like, "Uh, no, um, he was actually going to stay. I mean, we're going <laughs> to announce it this week." Um, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> whoops! Your um, world champion was willing to stay, and you left him jobless. Yep. Apparently, he was about to sign a two-year extension at Suzuki, and they were going to announce it either this weekend or before Mugello. It was on the brink of... They, the, the details had been ironed out. He was going to sit down and sign it. He was going to stay at Suzuki for another two years, and now, apparently, he's scrambling trying to find Mira a good bike. At the 11th hour. This is wild. Um... <clears throat> Because that's happening, and at the same time, Alex Rins is apparently now the number one free agent on the board, because Speedweek reported that it looks like Fabio Quadraro is going to stay at Yamaha for another two years. So it looks like Fabio's going to be off the table. After all that bitching, he's going to end up sticking around. Who would have thought it? Um, that's a thing. So now, apparently, Rins has spoken to almost every factory <laughs> on the grid, outside of his own, except Ducati, who are keeping everything in-house this year. Um, where do you think he ends up, fellas? And then what about the potential ramifications that come afterwards? Because there's a lot of hoops to jump through here. Oh, man. Though I am feeling the big Tech 3 move. Where <laughs> oh. The, hey, we're going to get Alex Rins and Jack Miller. Big Tech 3 moves. King's excited here, folks. Um, Yeah, Pit Miera, the boss at KTM, was like, apparently leaked out that, yeah, I've got Jack Miller's phone number. You know, just just throwing that out there. And apparently it was our our friend and yours, Uncle Hervé, Herbert Poncherol. (laughs) I called him Uncle Herb because who doesn't love Hervé? We love Uncle Herb. He was like, um, 
they're kind of looking at Miller and Rins. Like, oh, <laughs> Which is an interesting dynamic because Brad Binder's got two years left on his current deal. You'd assume the rookies that are, in, that are at Tech 3 are probably going nowhere, right? Everyone's now looking at Miguel Oliveira like, hmm, you might be expendable. Because, <laughs> uh... He, he, he... Look, let, the, let this man live. He's driving a KTM, <laughs> for God's sake. Right. Like, the bike is so not good right now, I almost want to give Miggy a pass for it. But yeah. the the allure of Alex Rins on the free agent market might be too much to resist. I, I, I say in our notes, I said, I said in my section here, hey, King, Rins over Miggy at KTM. Who says no? <laughs> oh, man. I'd say no. <laughs> I, I'd say no on the condition that Rins goes to Tech 3. I think if Rins and Miller both go to Tech 3 at the same time, like, it, su- it sucks for, uh, it, it sucks for Darren. I mean, no, it's, it, it sucks for, for Gardner and Fernandez, but, like, uh. My God. That's, that's kind of the, the awkward KTM... thing here. Do you burn down your academy to bring <laughs> Rins in? Like, King's probably sitting there thinking, hey, we still have Pedro. We have our insurance policy. Do you? Do you have Pedro <laughs> right now? Well, yeah. He, he did bin it from the lead in Moto2. That didn't help. I mean, it was still an improvement on past Moto2 performance. Oh, hell yeah. I'll take that. But, uh, oh boy. I don't know, man. This is, like, I, I don't think they would throw. Like, it would probably be Fernandez if they had to cut one of them. Because they like Remy more. But I don't know, man. Like, what about KTM would make you want to go over there right now unless the paycheck is enormous? Being in the sport. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When when you put it like that. I mean, I think if Rins wants something like his current deal, he beats Yamaha's door down and says, Lin, please sign me. Save me! Save me from from the redundancy block. In in the uh, head of the Franco Morbidelli fan club, regrets to inform you that's probably his best move. It is. Like, look, if you're Yamaha, there's an easy way of playing this. You say thanks for coming, Darren Binder. You hope you enjoyed your year. Enjoy World Superbikes. You could pass him along. You could move Frankie back over to the RNF team and give him his old crew chief back because Ramon Forcard is still over there. Uh, I, I old... don't think that would be the case. I think they would keep Bender over more Videli. Kane. Kane. And maybe Dovi just straight up retires and moves off into the sunset. Yeah, because I mean, what's, <clears throat> what, what's he accomplishing riding a bike that suits none of his style that isn't very fast anyway? in, like, 17th every weekend. Yeah. Dobby might just move, move aside, and they, you know, they can move him back over. I don't know. Like, I think if Yamaha want to go best team available, they go what in for Alex Rins, and they, will, they do what they got to do with Frankie's contract. Because Rins is a beast. Like, I stand by this. He's an outrageously good rider. And he, like... Yamaha's rider depth is non-existent at this point. You, you, could, you could stand in a puddle of it and not get wet. It's worse than Hondas. Like that, like that's that's how shallow this pool is. I would still take Hondas other free riders over Yamaha right now. <laughs> like that's how low the bar is here. I mean I also think there's a possibility that a prettier might snag him. Because Maverick Vinales has is getting Molly whopped by Alicia Spargaro. Mid. A- a- MJF style. Mid! <laughs> he's bo- He's been below mid. He's been getting curb stomped every weekend. Mid! It's, it's, it's not good. It's not good at all. And it's looking like they're favorites to get Suzuki's grid slots anyway. So they might have a satellite team next year. Why not go after someone like him and maybe Alicia's brother Paul? Because it's almost certain he's going to be on the block. <laughs> mm. Who says no to the Super Aspargaro brothers? Think of the marketing value. 
Think of all the Mario and Luigi ripoff merch you could sell. Like, like who says no here? Yeah. Like, that, that, that's some fun. And it, the problem is as well with Yamaha as well, you got Top Rack in there too. We, 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 we could have a World Superbikes import for the first time in a while too. They, like, they're keen to bring Top Rack in. God, Suzuki really screwed the pooch on this one. They, they messed up the whole rider market. Yeah, the whole thing got... I thought this was going to be quite a tame, silly season. They're going to blow this field wide open. Like, we now have no idea what's going to happen here. <laughs> I, I, like, there is so many possibilities here that could still happen. We still don't know. I mean, like, Suzuki is sitting down and negotiating with Dorna right now. Dorna gets to call over their grid slots. We don't know what they could do with them. I assume they'd keep them open for someone else to snag. And then what bikes are they going to be on? Does R and F stay with Yamaha? Oh, God. Like, fun fact, by the time this goes out, if you want my thoughts on this after I recover from concussion, there is a full Dre Predicts the Grid for 2023 piece up on the website. It's 2,000 words of me looking like that guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with the conspiracy theory on the wall trying to figure out how this is all going to go down. Good luck, because this is a mess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, welcome to the Alex Rin sweepstakes, because that's going to be uh, fascinating to see. Because I think, I think that could dictate a lot of this market and how it ends up playing out in the end. Because uh, yeah, to, to sum a line from King up at the end here, thoughts and prayers for Livio Suppo. Oh, where where did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong? That was Le Mans. It was fun. It was chaos. On and off. Fun unless you had anything to do contractually with Suzuki. No. Yeah, precisely. It, it was a hot mess. It'll be back in two weeks' time at Mugello, the blue ribbon event of the MotoGP calendar. Over 100,000 expected at Mugello. Get prepared for a sea of yellow flares and some yeah, mad Valentino's, Valent uh, Valentino's number is getting retired. Against his yes. will, no less. <laughs> Against yes. it, they are holding his number hostage. Yep. We, we, like, Valentino is like, I don't want a corner named after me, and I don't want a number named after me. Dawn is out here like, tough. <laughs> Which seems like the exact opposite of Valentino Rossi. That man's ego, and he's telling me he doesn't want his number retired. I don't believe him. I oh, don't man. believe him for a fucking second. <laughs> like, like you, you want this, Valley. It's, it's okay. You pretty much saved the sport. It's okay if you get your number retired, I promise. P.S. I, I, though I do think part of part of it's like, yeah, if my number is retired, that means like, yeah, my career is done. Like, shit. Yeah, pretty much. Like... Look, Dorna's very weird when it comes to number retirements. Like, Loris Caparossi, 65, is retired from competition. And mm -mm. Loris was good. He wasn't that good. Um, you know, ones like Nicky Hayden's are understandable for obvious reasons. Like, not sure about Loris. And, uh, you know, look, for some reason, MotoGP journalists gets, gets, get, they get really touchy whenever this gets brought up. Like, that apparently retiring the number is the worst thing you could ever do in the history of humanity, ever. Yeah, I mean, just look at Mick Dewan. They should really retire the number one plate. He owned that thing. Like, <laughs> ad admittedly, I'm in the same camp where I think in motorsport where there's only a single set of numbers for all the competitors. And yeah, also, on, on the other note, as a New York Yankees fan, yeah, numbers should not be <laughs> retired. You're going to run out of numbers. Yeah, it's like, how many numbers did the Yankees have? It's like, it's like 20 of them are retired by now? Yeah, there are like no single-digit numbers left. Christ almighty. Damn, suffering from <laughs> success, are we? Yeah, yeah, most <laughs> definitely. Yeah, we, and like I think with MotoGP, 65, 69, and now 46 will all be retired from competition at Mugello. Against Valentino Rossi's will. Just don't tell Van. <laughs> just just don't tell Van Man that on Twitter. He's too busy doing two things. One, talking about how bad an idea it is, and two, arguing with women about grid goals on Twitter. Oh, Good luck no. to you there, buddy. Oh no. <clears throat> um trust me, I take don't it have from me. thick enough to touch that. So <laughs> before we head out, I sure. What side is Van Man on this? He's in the sign of they shouldn't be there anymore, and he went ape shit when they broke out of the Moulin Rouge dancers before the race started. 
Honestly, I agree with him. That was really cringe and awkward and like, why? Yeah. It it, it was all right, but then it got to the road of, well, you know, women in general in this sport is kind of a bit weird. The whole thing got convoluted on Twitter to the point where, and I would know because I've been on the receiving end of this myself before, when MotoGP's website editor goes on a long thread about how, you know, Grid girls are one thing, but what about all women that have taken part in this sport? And I took one look at it and I was like, you know what? I learned my lesson a few years ago. I'm not touching that with a barge pole. You can have at it with that one, boys. Um, <laughs> good luck to them. Um, yeah, I'm I am anti-grid girl for, for the record. No need whatsoever for any of that shit as far as I'm concerned. It sends out the wrong message that w- w- women are a prize to be won in a motorsport event. And it's always struck me as really awkward. And I can't believe we're having this conversation, but at the same time on the record, Murdo GP has always been the worst offender for this by a mile to the point where they were parading them on social media for years at a time. So like, I am totally not surprised. There was a lot of pushback in Patterson's general direction regarding that. Um, So, uh, Simon, if you're listening, I know you're probably not, but if you are, Simon, good luck to you, buddy. Um, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> uh, good luck uh, is what I would say to that one, because uh, a lot of people have got uh, a lot of skin in that game, if you know who the right people are to ask on that. Good luck to him. Right. We'll be back for MotoGP in two weeks' time at Magello. It'll be a part of our day of classics coverage. It's going to be a great time. Do check it out. But in the meantime, please, you can find us one more time. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our handles one more time, Matt Harrison 101 HD, RJ O'Connell at Ryan Eric King, and at C Buckley 917. Our Instagram, Motorsport 101 pod for updates and all our content. And all of our content indeed is on our website, motorsport101.com, and our Patreon page is there too, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. You can check us out on there if you want to back us financially. Thank you very much for all those guys who continue to do so. Next up, Formula E and uh, Berlin. We returned to Tempelhof Nights, and um, oh, a familiar tale as old as time, a Mercedes Seal Club in fun times. A rare specimen in these strange times. I know. The pandemic happened, and all of a sudden, like, Mercs just don't dominate anymore. Really weird. Um, We we had a throwback weekend. Who'd have thought it? So until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Ryan, Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Bye. Honda, fix your fucking bike. Mark Marquez just on his own in sixth. It makes me sad.